I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Shiva! <laughs> it's the Oppenheimer spoiler cast, baby. Hey, spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoilers spoiler. for world and U.S. history. Yep. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. And, spoiler the, alert, and, yeah. and the movie Oppenheimer. Um, go, go see Oppenheimer. It's very good. Um, yes. Or or don't and we just don't. listen to this anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna spoil things that you can read about in a history book mm-hmm. or on a YouTube video. Yeah, like how they uh, they did it. They when they when they when they when they test uh, when they tested the the bomb, they used seventy millimeter IMAX back in back in <laughs> when they when they tested the bomb. Um, Oppenheimer just shit his pants. Yeah, right right then. Big dookies. Big dookies. Big dookies. Big dookies. Um. We're going to talk about Oppenheimer. So yeah. uh, we we kind of talked about it downstairs a little bit. You we're, talked about it. I didn't say a thing. I, I talked about it uh, with with your girlfriend downstairs because uh, she had a lot of thoughts and I had a lot of thoughts. And I'm going to repeat a lot of my thoughts. I actually wasn't listening you and to I, a lot of them, Oh, wow. So okay. So I'm going I'm I'm to repeat a lot of my okay. thoughts that you're going to hear for the first time. Good. Let's start with the, the obvious first question. Okay. How'd you like it? I... Don't think I've seen a movie that has that is this disappointing. What? <laughs> and this boring. Oh, okay, I'm joking. I just, okay. wanted, I just wanted to see your face. I just wanted to see your reaction. <laughs> I you was, were upset. No, you no, no, no. Up, I was like, Ooh. I was shocked, and I was excited to hear you explain that. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, okay, for real. Um, I think it was a very obvious Christopher Nolan movie. So he had yeah. all the Christopher Nolan isms. Yes. I think the power of this movie was the cast. And not necessarily, not to take anything away from Christopher Nolan, but I think a lot of this was, I left the theater saying there was not a single weak performance by anybody who got on screen. Yeah. Everybody nailed their part. Yeah. Everybody did a great job with their part. And I think that was key. Yeah. Um, And I think that was the powerful, the powerful component of this movie. Yeah. Um. Including Sean Avery, of course, Aves. <laughs> Aves is my boy, dude. Blue yeah, it's shirt. raining. We can't do it. <laughs> yeah, blue shirt, baby. Yeah. Um, I I can't point to a bad part of the movie. Like, oh, this part sucked. I don't have that in me. Okay. Um, I'm not. Here's the thing. With that being said, I'm not sitting here saying it was a ten out of ten, and I mm-hmm. loved it so much. And, and oh my god, it changed my life. It didn't. Yeah. It was just a very solid, well done movie where it had very strong performances by everybody. It yeah. wasn't like it was overshadowed by anybody specifically. Right. Uh, I can already. T- I want to tell you right off the bat because it struck me so so hard. Yeah. The best scene in that movie is before they explode the test bomb. Yeah. Oppenheimer goes up the tower to it. Yeah. Like the morning of. And it's just him and the bomb. His on, baby. And it's, there's this ominous darkness yeah. to the bomb. And there's splashes of that darkness on Oppenheimer as he walks around it. Yeah. And that was such a beautiful shot. And it's I think really it was good. like the most powerful shot of the movie. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, so for me, 
that's uh that was it that was like wow what a shot i remember seeing it and like as it happened i went oh fuck yeah that's a good one (laughs) this is a good shot (laughs) yeah um yeah and and i think also what i what i did like about the movie is that i think yes the movie was really about oppenheimer but the movie was also really about the conflict that people had with that decision yeah and also this is the thing this is the part i i this is the the thing is that i'm trying not to sound like an asshole i think i'm somewhat educated Mm -hmm. and i think I'm, I don't think I'm some higher level of intelligence or understanding or comprehension. I just think I have the average intelligence level, maybe a little above in terms of just understanding things. But but you've absorbed a lot of information. Yeah. And the thing about this movie is that I think the majority of people leave the movie feeling like, fuck yeah, America. Oh. And I think that... The problem with that is that people don't realize, and this is, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of how this is pertinent to today's topics of conversation. People don't realize the historical impacts that reflect into the consequences that we get to reap the benefits of from today, which is from this event. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a little bit, right? We talked about the power of the nuclear weapon, what it did for post-World War II America, post-World War II global economy, globalization, what it led to uh, military prioritization by America and everything else with with how the U.S. dollar rules and runs the world right now. But that's the vibe I got from it. And I left going, I I can tell because I heard everybody around me and I was like, there's so many people around me that just, it just fucking went foop right over their head despite the the clear as day message at the end of that movie went over people's heads Mm -hmm. of we did this and we considered it a success and it's one of the worst things humans have ever done (laughs) it was uh yeah america yay okay freedom america number one and it's just ooh. i don't think that's an intelligence thing i think it's like a perspective thing um yeah i don't i don't know well no it's 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 I don't think it's perspective because it's like I, you have to understand like the term globalization. Yeah. You have to understand the global economy somewhat. Yeah. In this weird intricate system we have and a balance of how everything just happens to work with the reinforcement of protection from the uh, U.S. Navy and allows us to have uh, what we have in terms of our dollar rule in the world. But it's all because of this event. Yeah. And that's how I viewed the movie off of that conflict where obviously it was heavy-handed to say, hey, this changed everything, Mm -hmm. and it did. And I think that conflict was really the focus, which I I appreciated. Mm -hmm. And I think, think, yeah, it was a good movie. (laughs) It was a fun fun flick. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, Do you want to ask me how I like the movie? That's a, that's a bit my sister's been doing lately. <laughs> She'll be like, "How did you like your food?" And I was like, "It was really good. I really like the way the the carnitas mixes with the pineapple flavor." She's like, "Okay, cool." Do you want to ask me how my food is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wh- yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on the movie? How do you feel? I I have a lot of thoughts. I I really liked it. I loved it. 
You loved it. I, yeah, I loved it. Oh, it was a, uh, but it, it's like a, it's a weird, like it wasn't fun. <laughs> it was just an no. incredibly well-made film. It was a well-made film. Um, I completely agree. There's not a single bad performance. Nope. The only one that was a little like, <laughs> not distracting, because some of them are distracting, where I'd be like, oh shit, it's Casey Affleck. Oh my God, it's Gary Oldman. But the one where it was like, oh my God, it's that person, and they look out of place, and that line was delivered, and it just sounds like that person, and then, wow, they have an important role at this moment in the story, was Josh Peck <laughs> from Drake and Josh. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know who that is, right? Yeah, yeah. He was I, in it. Yeah, but I'm wondering why you're. And I was like, oh shit, that's Josh Peck. And then they were like interviewing him, like, we need you to come do something secret in the desert with us. And he's like, oh man, we're building a bomb. And like, I feel like he could be talking to Megan in that scene or Drake. <laughs> and then, like, that was it. That was like maybe his only speaking line. I think he said like one more line, and then he was the guy who pushes the button. I was like, they're having Josh do it. <laughs> Um, well, the button just in case, right? No, he was the boom button, but he was also the if it if it stops working, turn it off. Oh yeah, yeah. But his to, finger oh, was over the, the red switches, button right, that makes right, it go right. boom boom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he was literally the the I don't remember his scientist name, but it had, <laughs> his scientist name. It's like his stage name. Um, he was the one who like like that's got to be some weird like I know Oppenheimer like made it. But that guy was the one who literally, before his finger touched that red piece of plastic, there were zero atomic explosions. And then after his finger touched it, there was one, um, which that's that's got to be pretty heavy. Uh, maybe. I don't know. He just pressed a button. But um, but anyway, that was the only performance. It wasn't bad. It was just that was the only one where it's like, oh, it's that guy. And then he never ceased to be that guy because he was a small enough role to just be played by you know, Josh yeah. Peck doing yeah. Josh Peck. But anyway, moving past that because it wasn't really a big deal. Um, I loved the performances. I really do think it was really well directed because I did see a lot of behind the scenes thing of like we kind of talked downstairs and we'll definitely get into this way more. But like the black and white versus the color scenes and the fusion versus fission was kind of like a little overdone to less of an impact than I think he wanted it to have. Um, hmm. And I definitely want it. That's going to be like a chunk of the episode. Okay. That we're gonna talk yeah. About. Cause I need you to explain that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the soundtrack was incredible. Yes. Um, there are so many like little like Easter, not Easter eggs, but like little, I don't know, like little treats in the soundtrack that I do want to talk about too. Yeah. Um, I didn't get bored. I don't feel like it went on for too long. It was fast. It was fast. It was like it felt you, so fast. You got to keep me. up. Like yeah. I can only explain the science to you once, audience. <laughs> it never. It never. To me, it was a fast movie. It was fast. It felt like two and a half hours. Time flew. Yeah. It it really flew by. Um. But then, obviously, when the bomb goes off, and then they use it in Japan twice, and then they and a couple other things happen, and then there's some conversations. And then, like, I felt like the story was picking up, and I was like, what's happening here? And I checked my watch, 
we still had an hour left of the movie. And I was like, what? We still have a movie amount of movie left? Uh, and I was like, what is going to happen now? And then it like completely hooked me back in. I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Like, this is what the final act is going to be about. And like, we still have a ways for it to go to unfold. And it was fascinating. But that little like dip of like took me out of the movie. Um, well, like for the first two hours, I was just engrossed. And it was like the tension I've never had a movie slowly build tension constantly for two hours. It was just glorious bastards. Sure, there were like peaks. Of, true, true. But it was just the bar scene, the opening, yeah, yeah. for two hours. Yeah. And then by the end of that, we kind of talked about it downstairs. But the like ten minutes of the movie preceding the explosion, and then the fucking minute and a half of the explosion was the most tense stressed excited like in like awestruck enthralling experience i've ever had in or out of movies like i need you to explain this i felt like i was having a heart attack but i was also like having a amazing time like jesus christ it just made me feel so like like a stressed 10 out of 10 excited 10 out of 10 like like roller coaster like it, it made me feel like being on a roller coaster where i'm like like nervous and scared and oh i'm like my stomach is turning but holy shit this is so much fun that's what the moment of the bomb felt like like the fact that it was built up for so much and there was so much like obviously we know based on history what happened it went off and then they used it in japan but the fact that they didn't and they conveyed that so well so like we were feeling their stakes even though i know that it went fine but like they thought it could theoretically ignite the atmosphere it could not work and then the whole program is shut down we don't know how big it is we don't know if we're far enough away from it um yeah that was that was a funny conversation when when it was the morning of and it was oppenheimer and uh (laughs) i forget the general's name uh leslie graves yeah yeah gross he goes and he goes wait what do you mean he goes oh you know we were thinking uh about the possibility about how it chain reactions in the atmosphere and kind of incinerates the planet and he goes wait there's a chance that could happen he goes near zero chance. the chances are near zero <laughs> near, and he goes, near zero he goes, yeah what do you want from theory alone yeah, yeah. <laughs> zero would be nice <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like one of the best lines of dialogue in the movie it was it was in the trailer and i remember like laughing at it in the trailer like that was that was a, a really good light-hearted moment between these like two people who like have no right being kind of friends but like they kind of they just respect the hell out of each other <laughs> yeah um yeah that was really great um yeah, the way they did the explosion. And I think I just want to talk about the explosion first because okay. that's like, that's the moment that brought me to the 70 mil. Oh, I saw it in 70 millimeter IMAX. I did not. I saw it in Cinemark XD. So the Cinemark IMAX style. Yep. Um, continue. The, knowing the, the bomb scene was stunning. I saw an interview with a, a, a reporter who interviewed like Nolan and like a, like five or six people from the cast on like one like panel interview. Um, but she was asking him a bunch of questions. She was like, I, I know you can't say much, but I need to talk about the bomb. It was stunning. Uh, and Chris Reynolds was like, oh, I don't want to give away too, many, too much of my secrets. Uh, but, uh, I was like, I sold, I need to see it the the biggest, most intense way that I can. 
And it was genuinely stunning. The fact that like there's so much tension and the soundtrack is doing that. Like the thing we're joking about downstairs of like the Nolan movie violins just getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And the strings don't even go that far, but it's still getting higher and higher. Um, And then they press the button and they just cut the audio. Yep. And all you could hear is him breathing and like not even just him breathing, but you hear like people's chairs creak like, and you hear like, the you hear people in the car gasp and they're like <gasps> and like just little things like I, I like i wasn't expecting it to be so quiet it felt like that scene in uh star wars episode eight the holdo maneuver when she like oh, yeah. flashes through and it's just white but for the a dif- while the difference is though in this that's what happened right yeah the, you wouldn't have heard the boom right away for, so you just for quite a while you saw it and then <laughs> yeah. you went, and, you know so that part is the yeah and then like I know that's how it works, and I respect the hell out of him for doing that. I always appreciate it, and he's really good at it. There's a scene in Interstellar where something explodes in space, and you don't hear it. Yeah. But it's just chaos on screen, like just shit getting ripped yeah. apart and stuff like that. And I love that. Um, so I appreciate like the scientific accuracy to it. And then like I know the boom is coming, but it felt like an eternity. And I think that's what it was. It was like the sheer awe of seeing it and seeing the the light in people's eyes and they dropped that line at the perfect time and I wasn't expecting that I had become death the destroyer of worlds like I knew I figured that's gonna that was gonna be how they like end the movie or it's gonna be close to the end but the fact that like press the button flash of light boom drop the line holy shit that was such a good move and then just silence I think it was like 45 seconds um and like my heart was racing and it just didn't stop. It just kept going and they kept showing people's reactions. And they showed the people in the bunker and then they showed the people laying down and they showed them turn around. And that's what it was. You hear the people turn around and you can like hear the sand shifting under them. It's like pitch quiet because it would have been. It would have been. But it's bright light uh-uh. and there's an atomic explosion <laughs> happening and it's silent and it was yep. so eerie. But it was like this huge moment that we've been waiting two hours for and they've put like eight, what it took them like 18 months or something to build it and all the stress that went into it and then it showed the people in the car and it showed the flash again so like they kept like replaying it to show everybody's point of view and i was like i can't in like the whole theater i was in a packed imax 70 millimeter theater like hundreds of people in this room not a peep like i heard the projector running because i saw it in film and i just like really quietly from the projectionist booth and it was it was it was stunning. Like I think that's what that moment was. I was like I was shocked at how intense that was, and then like it was so loud that it scared me because I forgot that the noise was coming, and like yeah, the literally like shook. rumbling. Yeah. The, yeah, the chairs, chairs were shaking. Yeah. Holy shit! That was such like like an atomic bomb level payoff to a moment in a movie. <laughs> like it was insane. So, like, for that alone, it was just worth going to the movie because, but they couldn't have just done, it's not just that in a vacuum. It's the build up to that. Like, they did such a good job layering the stakes. Oh, yeah. Is it it possible? It's not possible. The Germans found a way. The Russians did one. We're beating the Germans. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We still don't have enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you kind of, like, you've known at this point in the movie quite a while like what's happening in the future like he's getting deposed and he's in trouble what did he do and like (laughs) what happened here that made people not trust him and there's so much going on there's so much emotional stakes built up and it's like a release of 
all of them at the same time when the bomb goes off. It was insane. I've never felt that way in a movie before. Wow. It was, it was, um, I don't think I have either. Shit. Even in that? <laughs> yeah, no, I just, were you just like, whoa. Of... <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I'm trying to remember. My reaction was, I, I thought it was clever the way he introduced silence. Yeah. Um, cause like I just said, and you said, it's, it's what they would have experienced. Yeah. So, that felt the same for me of just, whoa, what a smart move. And then the blast came. I didn't have that experience that you had because to me, I think I was more enthralled by what Oppenheimer was experiencing emotionally. Mm. And... And this is something I, I said right after I walked out the theater. It was, and this is my fault as the viewer, my fault as an audience member, is that that is Killian Murphy. Okay. And when I see, it's the same kind of thing you get with Matt Damon. But like with Killian Murphy, when I saw Killian Murphy, I had to keep telling myself, that's not Killian Murphy. That's not Tommy Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> that's not who I think it is. Yeah. This is Oppenheimer. That's so interesting. And it took me a while, actually. It took me a while to kind of get into the character's perspective, Oppenheimer's perspective. And that moment helped me get more into it when it went off and you all you hear is him breathing at first because it's focused on him. Yeah. And he pulls the goggles down and shit. And like that's the moment that I started to feel possibly what I thought he was feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. The film does a, the thing that I liked the most about this movie was probably the fact that it did such a good job of showcasing, and you mentioned this in the last episode, but showcasing kind of Oppenheimer's personal experience throughout this. Yeah. The turmoil, the difficulty, his, the conflict he had, um, his personal beliefs, his open mind, the infidelity, infidelity, his open mindset that he yeah. had, uh, dealing it, with the kids. <laughs> Dealing with kids or There's, not dealing with them, depending yeah, on how you look at it, you know? Giving them to a friend. Yeah, giving them, giving them to a friend, you know, like. Uh, yeah. That was the big experience I had was kind of going through the step-by-step of this whole experience of what Oppenheimer must have gone through. And to me, that was the magic of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that the explosion wasn't impressive. It was. But I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't, I saw the explosion and my immediate thought was, I wonder what this looks like in 70 millimeter. <laughs> and because of that, I think that that took away from it. Interesting. Because that was my yeah, immediate I mean, thought. It, I was like, that's cool. I wonder how this looks in 70 millimeter. And then I got sucked back into Oppenheimer's reaction. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. And then that immediate aftermath of elation. Yeah. He was successful. They were successful. And then immediate regret yep that they did it oh fuck yeah <laughs> this exists now yeah um so that's yeah that's 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 so interesting that was my experience so i did not have what you had interesting yeah <laughs> i mean the explosion was. yeah because i was at the i was at the peak of the movie experience everest i'm yeah. sitting at i'm i have pretty good seats in an imax 70 millimeter theater uh and it worked i had this weird anxiety going into it that i've heard that like mm-hmm like projectionist is like kind of a dying art 
uh and like so, so a lot of screenings of the movie have apparently just broken halfway oh through. yeah yeah um because the reel is record-settingly large yeah. it's like the i think the biggest movie reel ever maybe i don't know i kind of just like made that bending up, but... the equipment yeah exactly it's 600 pounds which like the equipment is really rated for uh so people are like propping it up with stuff but it also has to like spin but yeah it's crazy <laughs> um yeah, so I I had no thoughts of like, oh, I wonder what this looks like in a regular SD theater. Yeah. Um, but I did. I wanted to talk about my IMAX seventy millimeter experience. Uh, holy shit, that screen is square. Uh, it is like way taller than I thought it would be. It's Not a, wide. It's tall. It's a four three resolution. So it's like four parts wide, three parts high. Yeah. So if you picture like f- f- four inches by three inches. That's how big it is. It's it's nearly square. And what's XD? Uh, uh, like digital. It's not sixteen nine. Sixteen nine is regular theaters. I, f- I forget what it is. It's like a really but long. It's, it's uh, wide. It's pretty wide. Um, but it's taller than a normal theater. Like normal theaters are wide, wide. Um, but I feel like normal theaters are really scrunched. What? I'll be honest. I don't go to normal theaters because we usually go to I IMAX. I only go to XD. I only do IMAX. Yeah, uh, I think IMAX is taller. But 70 millimeters is nearly square. Okay. Um, did you see the Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut? In theaters? No, when it, came, it didn't come out in theaters. But did you see the Snyder Cut yes. on like HBO? You know how it was like square? Yeah. That's 4.3. So picture that. Uh, That's the shape of the screen. Okay. Um, but like IMAX dimensions is like our TV. It's like TV dimensions is IMAX dimensions. Yeah. And then when you watch a movie with black bars on the top and bottom, that's movie theater dimensions. Like okay. typical movie theater. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was the, it, I saw the same thing. There was just more on top and more on bottom. And I believe the speakers are maybe louder. Um, although maybe that's fine tuned depending on the theater. I mean, I was, are like yeah. rattling. <laughs> uh, my friend who was sitting next to me, who listens to the show. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's I up? Saw him like 30 seconds into the silence because it lasted for so fucking long. I just saw his hands go up on his ears because he knew it was coming. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's smart. No, I want to feel this. I want to hear it. I want it to blow my my eardrums out. Um, but I like, kind of looked over and chuckled, and it like uh, it came fast too. It wasn't like a build up. It was, no, it was just, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, just such an incredible m- moment. And so yeah, um, it was very big. It was a very tall screen. If you ever go to a seventy millimeter screen, obviously like the best seats in an IMAX house or in a regular house are like dead center. Yep. halfway up halfway in the middle um and it's just a nice flat square screen i think it's slightly curved like a curved tv i found out or at least in this theater but i think it's typical imax 70 millimeters on a 4-3 ratio screen the projection booth is so high up that it kind of projects it down so like you kind of have to the higher you are the better it is because like I don't know. We we sat like two thirds of the way up, and we like we got the best seats we could, but we were like maybe like a, a quarter of the way over um, to like the left, and it was it was kind of skewed, but it was also kind of skewed like up, like the screen was kind of angled back, okay, um, because like it almost projects at like a slightly downward angle, like it's not projecting straight out at the screen, it's like projecting slightly down. So really, truly, if you go to see this movie in IMAX seventy millimeter, or if you go to an IMAX seventy millimeter theater at all. The, all the way back row is what I would recommend. And really? I, and I kind of heard that online. Like 
people say like two thirds of the way back or three quarters of the way back. But as from what I can tell, the farther back you are, the more square and flat the image looks. Um, there were people in the front corner, which is like that. I bet that movie looks fucking weird to you right now. Yeah, like, like why is you that just even see a seat? Killian Murphy's ear for the whole movie. Yeah, like, why are you even in that seat? I, why, like, why do they have seats? Like I that? hope it's a, like a discounted seat because, like, just walking up, I you're like looking at a diamond when you're when you're walking into the yeah, theater. It's just so weird. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I feel like you would get super duper motion sickness, and even if you sat like pretty low. But in dead center, like it's it's going to be totally skewed. It lo- it'll look like the screen is facing backwards. But it was really great. It was very square. It was like noticeably square at some point. We're like, damn, that is a square shot that I'm looking at. But then a lot of times they're actually like black bars. Like they showed it in like IMAX. On the sides or above? Uh, top and bottom. Top and bottom. Um, <laughs> they made it more square. No, it was like they gave it like IMAX resolution a couple times where uh, it was mostly I kind of noticed the black and white scenes. Um, whereas just like they like just chopped off a little bit off the top and the bottom. And I was wondering why they would do that because they filmed the whole movie and IMAX 70 millimeter. So it must've just been like an artistic choice of like this shot looks better if do... it's widescreen. You think it was worth it to see you have an IMAX 70 millimeter? Yeah. I, so, and that's, that's why I think it was so interesting that you're watching it and you had the thought, I wonder what this looks like in 70 millimeter. I was thinking my uh, to sum it up and i will confirm when i go again on saturday because i'm seeing it in just imax i think it's worth it to see an imax or better like i don't know necessarily i don't i don't think so i mean you see the whole thing you're literally technically not seeing the whole movie when it's an imax the quality though is supposedly the highest quality yet because it is on film. It's on film. Which that why. part was cool. Like I said. Vinyl, we, baby. Yeah. It's, it's like vinyl, <laughs> it's vinyl. And that's how I would describe it. Because we, uh, I went with a couple movie buff friends of mine. And then uh, their, their co-workers and one of our other co-workers was like, oh, I wouldn't mind going if that's okay. And we're like, yeah, sure. And then on the way there, he was like, so like, what's the, what's the deal? Why is IMAX 70 millimeters so special? Like what's in it? it's film? Like, why is that better? And I described it like vinyl. Like it's if vinyl. you've ever listened to a vinyl, it's infinite quality. Um, and it's like, there's like a richness, like a crispness to it. And of course this is me speaking on my ass based on what I learned on YouTube because I hadn't seen a film movie since like the 2010. So I didn't really know. Um, but like confirmed, that's what it was like. It, it, it was like vinyl for your eyes. Um, it was, it was really cool. Um, and then like, there was something really like, oh man, I'm at the movies when like it was quiet and I heard the projection going. Like you literally yeah, hear you like hear that anymore in the background. And that was just cool. Like it's yeah. obviously it's a little distracting, but like I loved it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and you could like, I mean, I, you could still do this in digital, but like you could see the beam of light, like yeah. of the movie, <laughs> like in the little dust particles in the theater. Um, so it was, it was very cool. Um, and it was obviously very, very big. It was by far the biggest movie screen I've looked at. Okay. Um, I have a video out of my phone that I obviously can't share on the podcast, but I'll show you. I took a video of when we were walking into the theater. Also, I don't know. Did they play ads like commercials, trailers before? Trailers, yeah. Uh, not in IMAX 70 millimeter because oh. it's just a big reel. <laughs> so it's just you go. You go. And uh, they said, I read online, hey, p- p- PSA for anybody going to see it in 70 millimeter. It says movie starts at two. Get there at two because they start playing the movie at two. Yeah. They started playing ours at like 205, but it went the the screen is black the lights were on 
the lights dimmed and the, the movie just started playing. <laughs> and that's I was like, cool. this is ideal. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. No, I sat for 20 minutes of yeah. trailers. <laughs> yeah. Any good ones? Uh, there's an Expendables 8. <laughs> 8? I don't know. It's another Expendables. Great. They're more expendable. <laughs> They're more expendable. They're discounted now. Oh, there's another uh, Megalodon movie. Oh, yeah. Now Meg. there's two. <laughs> <laughs> two movies or two Megs? Both. <laughs> Get great. ready. Great. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, you know what trailer did intrigue me? Yeah. They're doing a Poltergeist sequel. Oh, interesting. Finally. Okay. It's only been, what, 40 years? Is that a movie that kind of asked for a sequel? It's it's a cult movie yeah. that I don't think needed a sequel. Yeah. But they thought, you know what? We need money. Is that the Spielberg movie? Poltergeist? Kid looking at a uh, staticky TV. They're coming. Is that Poltergeist? And then a farmhouse. They live in a farm. No, Poltergeist is the uh, the girl that's her head spins around. She vomits. That's Exorcist. I'm sorry, Exorcist. They're making a second Exorcist movie. Now oh, I don't know. Polter- I thought I. <laughs> Either way, I thought I'm I saw into a both P. of those ideas. <laughs> P for panda. I thought there was a. I thought there was a, a P in it, but maybe it was. A, I think I remember exorcist. hearing about an Exorcist sequel. Then it's Exorcist. So I think it's, it's whatever it was. I saw it. I went finally. That's so cool. Like yeah, they're going yeah, for yeah. a sequel. It actually looks really terrifying, and yeah. I don't like scary movies. I'm yeah. not going to see it, but it looks good. So I miss liking scary movies. I haven't. I never liked them. Yeah, I used to be into like the, I don't know the least weird way to say this, but the movies like Saw Uh, and like, yeah, like the, not like gory, but like slasher flicks, I guess. Not gory, but you know, that gore franchise Saw. I didn't like them because they were gory, (laughs) but I liked those like thriller, horror, like completely hopeless movie i'm gonna start let's talk about oppenheimer yeah you know? we're for oppenheimer you fucking weirdo let's not go down this they're making a saw 10 by the way i saw you know what it is? it's the uh it's actually a prequel yeah it's about saw how we got how into saw. it yeah so it's just getting into sawing yeah so exactly it's yeah uh Anyways, so speaking Oppies. of uh oppenheimer barbenheimer all that stuff yeah, yeah saw 10 is coming out the same day as the paw patrol movie so they're calling that day saw patrol <laughs> <laughs> you got to see that double feature that's a cool one that's um, a cool one uh but anyway um the soundtrack amazing amazing another ludwig Ludwig yes. Goransson, who does uh, The Mandalorian. He produces Childish Gambino albums. He did Tenet. Um, he I was going to say, the it very, very much Tenet vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much Tenet it's vibes. Christopher Nolan, Ludwig. Yeah. It's like how Inception sounded like Batman. And yep, exactly. <laughs> and sounded like Interstellar exactly. and stuff like that uh, with the Hans Zimmer. But um, yeah, really good. Uh, there are a couple absolute bangers. The like, like I guess dry sounding, maybe slightly out of tune violin that they always played very quietly in the mm-hmm. background when they're talking about science, and it's just, but it's like kind of shaky, like not the best form on the violin. It was awesome. Um, the song on the soundtrack called "Can You Hear the Music," which is like right in the beginning of the movie when he's talking to his like mentor uh, Niels Braun. Um, he's like, you know, 
anybody can read music, but can you hear the music? And he's like, yes, I can. And it just shows a bunch of fucking science <laughs> on the screen. And it plays that amazing like orchestra song, which gave me chills in the movie. That song is it just was an aggressive start of a movie. So much fun to listen to an aggressive start. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the whole? Actually, this might be a dumb question. Yeah. She's going to be about Florence Pugh's character. Yeah. I thought at first that this was just fluff to the character building of Oppenheimer. And then it became much more relevant later on in the movie, obviously Mm -hmm. with the whole, uh, Oh, you were, you have ties to a communist, et cetera, et cetera. Communism, bad, blah, blah, blah. Um, What did you think? So yeah, that specifically her character was interesting. Nolan's first nudity in a movie, first R-rated movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's not true. Insomnia, a while ago with Robin Williams, was R. Um, Maybe one other. But um, it it was rated R for nudity, uh, which was new for him. I don't know that it was necessary, uh, especially the scene where they're just sitting in chairs next to each other talking for like five minutes with their boobs hanging out. like it was just just long, casual nudity. Granted, like there was a sex scene. It's like cool. People are usually naked when they're having sex. Cool. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's my own unique experiences and the fact that it's not the nineteen forties, fifties. But I don't usually sit down in a chair after sex. <laughs> yeah, especially not a leather one. Yeah. <laughs> It's sticky. I personally <laughs> would rather just stay in the bed. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily want to go, oh, let's go for a walk and get a drink and light a smoke and let me find a nice comfy chair to mm, play out in. That was great. Let me chop some wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. I also think she was underutilized. I think she's an awesome actress and I was excited to see her along with all the other people. Uh, I think a lot of people had time to shine, and I think she was the one. Nobody stole the show, like you said, but I think she was underutilized. I think Emily Blunt did a really, I'm big surprise. I think she did a fantastic job. She was incredible. She was my favorite actor of the movie. Yeah. Um, I think Killian was great. You you mentioned like you couldn't see past Killian Murphy. I did not have that experience. I could. It took me about an hour. Okay. I've, I'm trying to remember the scene. Uh, oh yes, I remember the exact scene where it snapped me out of it. Yeah, and I went okay, cool. That's Oppenheimer. <laughs> Got uh, it. it was when he first—I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Josh Hartnett's character, who was fantastic, by the way. Amazing! Incredible. I'm so glad he's back. <laughs> Incredible! I forgot how big he is. Yeah, <laughs> he's so tall. Yeah, he looked down on Killian yeah. the entire time. I just went, wow. He's got to have platforms on. Yeah. He's no. so tall. No, he's just amazing. He's um, a big beefcake. Yeah. Just <laughs> I forgot how hard I was on his team in Pearl Harbor during that. Right. Love, oh, that yeah, love I was, triangle. Yeah, I was I, like, oh, my God, Team yeah, Josh. Let's go. I was go. Team Josh. I was Team Josh. 100% <laughs> Team Josh. Um, nothing against Ben, but yeah. Team Josh in that one, in that, in that film. He was a good friend. Yeah. Uh, I think. <laughs> well, that was the whole thing, right? Good friend, good stepdad. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Um, I think it was when Matt Damon finally came in. Oh, I and think, like talk to him at the school. I think that's what it was because he went, because he kind of, again, heavy handed, he laid it out of just, 
So I heard, uh, I, I read their file and I heard all the things like, oh, what did you hear? You're arrogant. You're a womanizer. You're blah, blah, blah. You're like, yes, I am. And I just went, <laughs> okay, cool. That's not Tommy Shelby. Okay. That's yeah, yeah, not yeah. Killian Murphy. Very different. It's character. a very different Killian yeah. Murphy. And that's when I went, got it. Interesting. And then the second that happened, Oppie. Interesting. I think I did not experience that. Literally the first shot of the movie. I was like, oh, damn, there he is. There's Oppie. There's, really? There's J.R.O. The first scene, just him laying in bed. Uh, wasn't the oh, first no, sorry, scene? He was standing, looking down at the deposition. It opens in the in the like courtroom, not the courtroom, oh, but that little tiny room. What? Opens with the rain. The rain? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Opens with the rain and all the static and the the like yeah the, the weird vibrations in the background and the nuclei. And I the thought shit, that like, was like the uh, what is it called? The, the like electron paths coming together. Yeah, sure. Yeah, something like that. That fusion. fusion, um, yeah, um, yeah. I so I have been just my whole YouTube is Trinity Test, Manhattan Project, history of J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, like like history YouTube channels and shit like that, like science channels that like, explains how the gadget works from the Trinity mm-hmm. Test and stuff like that. So like, okay. I even knew that like they called it the gadget because they didn't want to call it a bomb because they're scientists and stuff like that. And like, I knew the history of the the Bhagavad Vita or something. I definitely said that wrong. But the book that he read the I'm Become Death thing out of. Um, and like why they called it Trinity and he got into poetry and it was probably because of Florence uh, Pugh sitting Jean, on him. Gene and, Tatlock's and <laughs> not necessarily sitting on him, but writing him on top and r- saying we made the book. rumors <laughs> that she got him into that poet and blah, blah, blah. And that's why it's called Trinity. And, uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I've seen that's- his face so many times. So when they showed me Killian with the, the makeup and the wig and he's so like gaunt and skinny, I was like, fucking, there he is. Okay. So There's I, the I, guy I, I've been researching. I don't have that. By the way, that was also another weird scene. She's riding him on top and then she just gets <laughs> off mid stroke yeah. and walks to a bookcase. Well, and what are you reading? Just excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. I, I'm pretty sure both of us didn't nut yet. So why did you get off? We were busy. We were did not. We were working towards something here. Yeah, and you just aborted the mission. <laughs> what what you, books? Yes, I read. Well, that's my bookcase. S- speaking in terms of the the science of this movie, I think the voltage was too low. To give you an <laughs> analogy, I think that's what they were kind of hinting at. Like she seemed kind of like bored or disappointed, and she's like, "This isn't working. Let me go get you some poetry to get you." hard again yeah god damn what I, th- the f- I think that was it because he clearly was more into it when he was reading uh sanskrit <laughs> yeah i um, gets me harder yeah <laughs> which is we that's some weird like retconning not that's retconning, what i'm saying but it like just, just a weird that's some weird choice. uh fictionalized backstory um and then the only other one that i was like that's fictionalized is the poison apple thing which that did happen um that that teacher was like his real mentor like he respected the shit out of his teacher but then he, and his teacher respected him but he was really tough on him and he was just so depressed and fucked up in the head that he like rubbed cyanide on the outside of the apple or something like that and then the he didn't like come in and like change his mind he's like oh i can't i can't do that i need to throw away this apple the teacher was like something's fucked up with this apple and they like knew it was him or something like really that. so he got in a bunch of trouble and niels Bohr wasn't there so he didn't like smack it out of a guy's hand oh, okay. <laughs> um 
but like some slight things like and i thought like he does the syringe and i'm like uh actually that's not how it happened <laughs> and then like neil's board comes in and he slaps it out of his hand i was like oh, okay this is totally fictionalized but it's close Mm-mm. um yeah dude i could <laughs> i could tell you so much shit about j robin uh, j robert oppenheimer's See, that's whole the thing. life you you did this thing where normally you would look for spoilers and behind the scenes and you did the same thing, but historically. Yeah, I didn't have to worry about it because all the spoilers are out no, there. No, but you you had the same thing of going to the movie. Like, That's not real. That's not what happened. No, he actually did this. <laughs> sure, sure, you know, sure. He sure. actually used this and he rubbed that instead of He didn't use an injection. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't here. Boris wasn't there. Boris was actually in Germany. He was <laughs> no, he was in the town. And was <laughs> <laughs> That's me, baby. He did, he I'm training tra- to be a dad. I got to get really into World War II history. <laughs> he doesn't travel here until another year later. He's actually not supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll get back to that how my the history knowledge paid off in this but i will also tell you why i did that with like anytime i see you like need spoilers no 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 not spoilers anytime i go to see a biopic now and i don't think this exact issue will ever happen to me again but i want to know a lot of the events of what the thing is about Why? because the person is telling that story and I want to see that through the director's storytelling. And the one that I literally enjoyed the movie less because I didn't know the full history was once upon a time in Hollywood. And I really don't want to spoil that movie, but Sharon Tate is in it. Uh, Charles Manson is in it and the whole Manson family and stuff like that. And obviously historically we know what happens with Sharon Tate and the Manson family. Uh, it's the Manson family murders, the Tate murders, uh, put two and two together. That's what happens. But I didn't know that (laughs) I knew Charles Manson was a bad guy from the sixties. That's all I knew. And then the movie plays out. You didn't know why he was a bad guy. I I thought he was a serial killer. Okay. But he wasn't. (laughs) He okay. was in charge of a bunch of people that went out and murdered some people. And he was like a weird cultist. That's what I know now. But I also learned, I read like the whole Wikipedia page for like the Tate murders and the Manson family and whatever. And if I had known more of that history, I would have appreciated that movie so much more. And have you seen the movie? Yes. But why do you say you need to know? the historical accurate details in order to appreciate a Hollywood film in that about. Okay. Life. So Pearl Harbor, you know what happened at Pearl Harbor? I historically. do. I knew enough about so, Pearl Harbor to appreciate what the movie Pearl Harbor was about. Okay. So if you didn't know anything about Pearl Harbor, what's Pearl Harbor? Is that a place you, you don't know what that was? And you watched the movie Pearl Harbor starring Keith Beckinsale, Josh Harden and Ben Affleck. Yeah. Would you have been like, man, I can't believe <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Would that would have been your thought? Or would you no. have been, wow, Josh no. is such a good pilot. No, not in that one. Okay. But you can't you can't prove a point with one anecdotal example. <laughs> but allow me to prove as my you point. Just, as, with you, one as you give me an oh, yep, example. Yep, yep, yep. No, I have two because I'm going to relate it back to Oppenheimer. Okay. Number one, okay. Once Upon a Time in okay. Hollywood. Yep. Spoilers now for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Skip okay. forward like 30 seconds. I don't want to talk about it for too long. Okay. Skip forward. Like seriously, this is a movie that I, this is a spoiler. It's a historical movie, but what I'm going to say is a spoiler. Three, two, one. Here's the spoilers. The the Charles Manson family murders. They went and they're like, let's go fucking make a name for ourselves and fuck up America and prove that we're here and it's time for a change and let's go kill Sharon Tate and everybody who's at her house and blah, blah, blah. 
they like inch towards that so much in the movie and you're like oh my gosh it's a movie about the sharon tate murders but also through the eyes of this movie star failing movie star and a stunt up stunt double and stuff like that and then surprise at the end of the movie it's an alternate telling of history where those people who went to go kill sharon tate stop at somebody else's house because they have a grudge against that guy because they hate him for how he embarrassed them earlier at the farm and they go in and so many of the lines that they say were quoted from like people who survived the Tate murders they're like oh this guy said I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business (laughs) so Brad Pitt asks him while he's high on LSD hey who are you again and he's like I'm the devil I'm here to do the devil's business and he just says no something dumber than that (laughs) So, like, they just completely make fun of the jackasses that do the Tate murders. And it's so, like, cathartic and, and things like that. But I had no appreciation for that. I just thought it was Tarantino dialogue. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. But I didn't even know what the whole movie was. Not teasing is the wrong word. But, like, building towards what okay. is tricking you into what it is building towards. Like, oh, we're okay. going to do that thing at the end of the movie. And then they completely sideswipe you. And it was Tarantino saying, like... Nope, this is my ideal retelling of history. What if this didn't happen? Because people say that's when the 60s ended or that's when like um, that's when like the innocence of the hippie movement or something died is like that night. What if that didn't happen? How much happier would we be in the world today or something like that? And I, that was really interesting, but I just did not take that away from the movie at all. And I was talking about it with my friend in the car and he's like, wait, do you know what Charles Manson did? And I was like, he was a serial killer. And he's like, oh, my God, dude. He was driving and he's like, open up Wikipedia and just read the whole thing. Right. Like right now about the Charles Manson and the Tate murders. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, I get what Quentin Tarantino did. And like, I didn't have that like huge cathartic release moment. Like people in the movie theater that I was seeing it with were like crying, laughing. At, and like that's what that moment in that movie was supposed to do and I was like I'll never let this happen again <laughs> if I go to see a movie that I know is about a thing I'm gonna research that thing now here's why I'm gonna say that it paid off with Oppenheimer uh, Gene Tatlock the Florence Pugh's character mm-hmm. um, supposedly committed suicide she wrote a suicide note didn't sign it called Robert Oppenheimer for like help she needed help like the day before or whatever and he was like no we're done I gotta be faithful to Kitty um, and supposedly drowned herself in a bathtub after taking pills. And a lot of people are like, how the fuck do you drown yourself in a bathtub? Like, how do you, does your body not just force you to get out? Um, and there are a lot of theories that she was murdered. During the scene where they show her committing suicide, there is one shot. It's like, it's her drowning herself, but there's one shot of a gloved hand holding her head underwater. And then it cuts back to her killing herself, which is just like a subtle little reference to maybe like, because it's such a subjective movie. It's told from Oppenheimer's point of view, and he's picturing her killing herself in the bathtub. But he's like, no, what if someone killed her? And like, it's just like one shot of a gloved hand holding her head underwater. And it's like, who was it? Was Who was it? We don't know. But that was such a good reference. And I knew what that was because... Because I like read the history that there were a lot of theories that she was murdered and not not committed suicide. So, boom, it paid off. And I got to be an annoying nerd to myself in my head about the Apple thing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So then what did you think about the whole courtroom process? In the the little cramped room or like the the Strauss courtroom? I guess both. I mean, the the cramped room was... It was what it was. It was just a security... it was a what is it security uh review process for yeah. parents and then as they kept saying this is not a trial 
Yeah, right. which they specifically did. So like, no, you don't you don't get witnesses and yeah. you don't get blah 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 and yeah. you, get, you don't get reports because it's not evidence because it's not a trial and blah yeah. blah. That that's from what I read. That's how it went down. Uh, they literally were just like, we don't like this guy. We don't trust him. Let's bend all the rules to just fuck him. Um, and that's how it went. And there were like theories. It was mostly theories, very strong theories that Strauss was like in on it or behind it and stuff like that. Um, I think the fact that he had a grudge against him because he made Albert Einstein not want to talk to him. I think that was a little dramatized. Um, but he, the, everybody was like, he had a grudge against him. He had a personal thing against him. He did this. This never should have happened. He can't be trusted, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like the second person ever to be denied a Senate seat or something because of that. So he made history as being a fuck up because of what he did to Oppenheimer. So that's, yeah. I like how that ended <laughs> of like the quote unquote <clears throat> victory at the end of the movie was him getting fucked for what he did to, for fucking Oppenheimer. And then you see that Oppenheimer said nothing to Einstein. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he just depressed the shit out of him. Yeah. He's like, Hey bud, I think we ruined the world. Yeah. <laughs> and Albert Einstein literally didn't have the energy to look up at anybody. Uh, it could have been anybody. He just didn't look at him. Yeah. I thought that was, that was beautiful. That was such a, that was a really good ending. And like, there's so much like hype speculation. It's like, what did he say? I know we're going to find out because I know I've seen that scene in color. So I know we're going to get the Oppenheimer version of the scene. And they, it's the fact that it was the last scene in the movie, which kind of symbolizes that it's maybe one of the most important, um, partially because of what Oppenheimer said at that moment. And then partially because of the, you realize that it had no impact on that whole part of the story. And also what Einstein said, as far as just like, they're going to come for you. Yeah. Right. That's what will happen. They're going to forgive you, but it's not going to be for you. It's going to be for them. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Man. That's also like, that's what everybody says. <laughs> like the history of J. Robert Oppenheimer is like, he was not treated fairly. And then he was given a medal by the next president, but it was just to make them feel better. Like, he was like, thanks. And then Kitty, like, everybody's like, and Kitty didn't shake that guy's hand. <laughs> so that's straight out of history. She's like, nah, fuck you, fuck bro. You. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Fucking rat. I love that. She was so good. You little rat fuck. <laughs> the H-bomb. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Um, yeah, that was that was all great. And I did like how they, so they you, showed you us. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the whole legal court situation, the black and white. The, I did. Yeah. There was yeah. just that one little dip where I was like, wait, the movie's not ending. Oh, I see what they're doing. This is three dope. hours. And baby. I was, I was back in three hours, baby. So another like little thing that not, I didn't like, but it's just like Christopher Nolan's got to fucking get better at making dialogue that we can hear. Like, it's like three movies in a row now. <laughs> what? You couldn't hear it. Dark Knight rises. They literally did the IMAX screening before some Mission Impossible movie, and everybody left like, seems cool. Didn't know one word that Bane said. <laughs> so oh, they literally the yeah, re recorded yeah, yeah. all of Bane. Still, a bunch of it was hard to hear. Mm. And then Tenet, he was like, we'll make them all wear gas masks yeah. <laughs> and speak in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> and there was literally parts of it was like, so what do you think about the thing moving backwards in time? Oh, I think that you're going to have to, it's like a nuclear bomb and it's very dangerous. One second sun illusion, you can never hear it again. It's like, what? Well, the thing that I liked the most was the <laughs> amount of quiet talking and very loud, noisy cafes where they had to talk about entropy yeah. and talking about uh, inversion principles and stuff. <laughs> And just, you hear My, every second, third word. The thing with the Russians is when they're inventing inversion, and while there's just like plates <laughs> yeah. clanking in the back, clank, clank, slam, <laughs> chop, chop, slam. 
And then uh, in this one, like the soundtrack got in the way at certain parts. Like they were talking about, I think there's a scene when they're talking about what if it lights the atmosphere on fire or something? And there's some there's conversation that's getting very heated, and they're like talking, and they're slowly like raising their voices at it. And it's getting more intense, and the dialogue's getting faster and faster. But the music is just like dun, 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 I was like, I can't hear what they're saying anymore, Ludwig. You got to chill, bro. I got to be honest, the sound was great. Like and the sound in XD, yeah. I, I was able to hear everything. Okay, interesting. It was okay. I think I caught ninety percent of the dialogue, which is pretty good for a Nolan movie. <laughs> It sound it honestly that was one of my concerns. It was pretty well balanced in XD. Awesome, that's good. Um, so you will have to tell me on Saturday how it feels hearing everything again, like compared. Yeah, yeah, comparatively. I also like I've seen the movie, so like I have a little bit more context. And I like rewatching Nolan movies. I'm good, and also I watch them on TV now, and I just prefer subtitles when I'm at home. So I, I just like read the subtitles. You put on subtitles at home. I grew up with a man. Deaf dad. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> it, it's it. like just, but uh, it's part of it for me. You, yeah, you're used. To, that's different. But I'm yeah, also picky because my dad was picky. <laughs> I need black bars with white text, or I need just plain white text with no bars. I can't. I don't like black bars. Can't just, do yellow. Just give me. Just I can't do yellow either. Yeah. Just give me. Just give me white text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me white uh, text. Nice clean white text. I'm so glad every streaming service has gotten on board with the white text. Maybe just a little shadow behind it. It's just an make easy it win to get more people watching your shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's also uh, required by law now. With yes. The, the ADA. But anyway, that's subtitles for you. Um, what else? Oh, the music. There are a couple little cues in the music that I heard a couple times. Obviously, the big one of like that when he's thinking of. The explosion and what could happen. There's that boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 and I was like, that sounds like people banging their feet on bleachers. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, when it's all the people banging their feet on bleachers, and that's what it is. That's that was so cool to me. And speaking of the sound, the fact that he's giving that whole speech and he just drowns everybody out and he can't yeah. hear anything other than his own words. Another like that was stunning. Like, that was yeah well done oh my god and he like sees the flash behind him all the times that like the background behind him just got shaking and like that's how they showed his anxiety incredible yeah um and then like the when he realizes what they've done and like he sees that person just flake <laughs> with like the bright that was christopher up. nolan's daughter yeah i read about that uh, yeah, yeah i saw that and then like he steps in like that fake not real charred body and then he sees the people making out and then he sees the people crying and then he sees the dude just throwing up outside like oh man they really sold that oops we let the cat out of the bag <laughs> like can't can't put that one back in oh man the scene with truman yeah with gary oldman yeah that was uh that was a defining moment i think to represent oppenheimer versus america mm-hmm I think that's what that scene solidified. When Truman goes like, uh, well, I forget what he said, something along the lines of, "They'll come after, like they come after me." You know, yeah, that was my decision, not He's, yours. I have, I have blood on my hands. Yeah, and he waves the tissue in front of his yeah. face. It's just that's <laughs> you made the bomb. I dropped the bomb. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, "Get this cry. I don't want to see this crybaby again." Which apparently that really happened. Yeah, oof. like the only two things we really know happened in that conversation is Oppenheimer said, "I feel like I have blood on my hands," and Truman called him a crybaby scientist. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> which does that summarize America, yeah. right? Get out of here, dumb smart guy. Yeah, get out of here, you baby. <laughs> you what a wiener. Get yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking oh my god. That's one of the scenes that solidified that one, and the one where they're deciding where to drop. 
and they're like, I'm going to cross off Kyoto because I like that place. My wife and I go there. Made me want to throw up. <laughs> that, like, that's so fucked up. What? What do you mean? Let's destroy a city and all of its citizens, but not this one because my wife and I like it. What? Yeah. Bro. Dude, that's what 100% how this goes. I know that's how it's going. I mean, that's why I almost threw up. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, car companies won't do recalls because it's more expensive to have recalls than it is to just pay the lawsuits for people dying. <laughs> I've, I've seen Fight Club. I know how it yeah, works. Yeah, that's how this goes. <laughs> this is America, baby. The dollar. That's all that matters. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just having it spoken so plainly and matter of factly and everybody in the room is like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The, the, thing, uh, the thing that this hammers home, and I don't know if it's Oppenheimer, the movie, or if it's just social media and... Oppenheimer being the cherry on top of it. We know. We fucking know. The shit that goes down. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We, we, we know. We know citizens. how bad it is. You and I are just fucking American citizens. <laughs> right? We're just citizens. Yeah. Civilians. Fucking nobodies. Yeah. Right? We have full knowledge and access to the corruption, decision-making choices and processes, and the overall prioritization of profit over over anything else yeah. that happens in positions of power. Mm-hmm. And yet we all just go, oh, that's, that's what it is. Uh, we just, we just, I can't stop it. We just, well, it, like to that point of just, well, let's not drop it on Kyoto. Let's kill, let's kill innocents in a different city that I won't visit. Yeah. Obviously, that's a conversation that happens. We have actual transcripts and documentation of crimes. We have whistleblowers. We have all this shit that happens. We have uh, like unusual whales. We have accounts that track and monitor the corruption of backdoor market trades from senators and, and congressmen. And just, we just, we're just, yeah. That's the world we live in. The, that, that, that's my point. And yeah. it's just this weird acknowledge and acceptance of it all of just yeah you know that's how it is you know we're just ants <laughs> <laughs> yeah. look at us we're not uh we're not we're, we don't hold the magnifying glass you know let's just hope they don't put it over us that's all it is Jesus. yeah that's all it is and which is just, why i thought it was interesting at the beginning when he said that you feel like a bunch of people are gonna leave going yeah fuck yeah america <laughs> Because the whole scene where he's giving the speech to all the people is like, we did it. I wish we did it to the Germans. Uh-huh. And then he's just picturing like, oh, we fucked up real bad. Mm-hmm. And then the whole Kyoto scene and the whole Truman scene. And then the end scene where he's like, I think we destroyed the world. I don't think people will leave that thinking that the point of the movie was to say, fuck yeah, America. And I hope that people aren't just like, yeah, man, whatever. Crybaby scientist. Crybaby movie director. Uh, fucking America. <laughs> I think you, I think you, you underestimate the, <laughs> the, the patriotism. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> that's the word. I was struggling and you just put that puzzle piece right there. That fit. You have, Here's... you and I have the piece. I have the piece that fits perfectly. You just put it right, right. Here's, that's what you just did. Here's the misconstrued word you're looking yes, for. Yes, exactly. That's the, that's the thing. And I think I will lift this phrase from my significant other who said the the problem I have with Christopher this is this is her speaking now yeah the problem with Christopher Nolan is that he's so heavy-handed in his storytelling and I think yes but I think in this specific movie Oppenheimer 
he has to be because yeah. he has to shake the American flag sunglasses off of people's eyes <laughs> for them to see just, yeah. hey, have some type of empathy and understanding of humanity. We're not the heroes in this story. Yes. <laughs> just it's not supposed. That's not the situation. That's not what this movie. This movie is not about the rah-rah, boo, communism, yay, America. Yeah. Woo, we're number one. We're so strong. That's not the message. Yeah. And it's so heavily obvious because it should be as any moviegoer understanding that you're watching this from Oppenheimer's perspective and point of view and experience because that's how the fucking movie starts. Yeah. And it's the entire three hours of it. Yeah. But... I think it needs to be so heavy-handed and fucking spoon-fed to you. Yeah. Not you, but the fucking viewer needs to get spoon-fed, <laughs> mouth held open, shoved <laughs> down there, because with a blow on the nose, right? To make you fucking... <laughs> Isn't that a dog trick? Yes, it is. But to fucking... To fucking... <laughs> to fucking understand... You gotta hold the jaw shut until yeah, they start yeah. licking their lips. Yeah, exactly. All right, it's down. Yeah, it's down. <laughs> he had to. I think he had no choice. I think he had no choice because he had to get that across. He had to get that across. The movie had to end with Einstein and him literally talking about that consequence. Yeah. Right? Albert Einstein, <laughs> someone who is, who is universally agreed to be a smart person, <laughs> and J. Robert Oppenheimer, someone who he just spent three hours being proven to us was a very smart person, coming together and saying, hey, we did a bad thing. Yes. Here's the credits. <laughs> that's, that's my point. Yeah. That's my point. And some people that's got it. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Some people got it. Some people went, oh, that was sad. Some people understood. Yeah. Some people understood. Yeah. But I think it's heavy handed because it has to be. Because yeah. those American flag glasses are trapped by an American flag hat made in China. And, and the, those, the beer cans with the straws yep, on them are covering and, the and, hinges on the glasses yep, so you and, can't pull them straight and the off. the frame is pinned to the head <laughs> and the, the frames won't shake loose easily. You got to shake those shoulders hard, no Hard. <laughs> loose neck. Whipping. Whipping the head around. Just snick. <laughs> just whipping around to get those glasses off. You're going to hear some cracks, but you just got to keep shaking. <laughs> I just think that's why. I think in this case, oh, it's justified shit. in my mind. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think Killian Murphy killed it. I think Emily Blunt killed it. I think everybody did a wonderful job with their roles. I think Robert Downey Jr., did a wonderful job of being unlikable. Yes. Which is hard to be... After being Iron Man for 15 years. Also just being so charismatic. Yeah. Think of all of his roles. Yeah. yeah. All, all of his roles. Are, he's always a charismatic person yeah. on screen. Sherlock Holmes, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yep. Tropic Thunder. Oh, my God. You have... Uh, uh, e even when he was um, Zodiac. Yeah. When he was the reporter in Zodiac. Great. So charismatic. Still, still somebody that you wanted to be magnetized to, and and I, Tony Stark, and that ten years I think of Tony Stark, holy shit, and now this, yeah. and he's just yucky, yeah, and he's not even yucky the whole movie. You don't really pick up on it until later when you go, oh, oh, because even when they're even when he's eating, yeah, and they're talking. He's talking as if he's worried about his side of the case. He goes, well, how could this have happened to him? I can't understand. It's not until his, his legal team figures it out and goes, wait a minute. You're behind this. Yeah. 
And he goes, yeah, how do you think you get power and keep it? Yeah. You know, you got to play the game. I don't want to be an ant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just that was the big, the big performance, I think. Which is weird to say. Oh, RDJ did a surprisingly big job. Well, I mean, from I, he was in the movie way more than I expected. Same. Yeah. Same. Like, I didn't realize that half the movie was about him. Yeah. All the black and white parts of the movie were Robert Downey Jr.'s parts. Yeah. Which is crazy. I did not, I did not know or expect that. Um, also the, I forget the actor's name, but the, like the main, like interrogator guy in like the little, the private. Oh like, yeah. I forget his name. He's, he was in he's like, done a lot. Nip tuck or something like that. Um, I don't think he was in Nip Tuck. His name was Patrick something. I don't know. Um, I think he was in Band of Brothers. Yes, I think he was. He was fantastic. He was was obviously, he was not in any of the trailers. And he was like the main antagonist of the movie until you find out that Robert Downey Jr. is the main antagonist in the movie. Uh, Dane DeHaan, Mm -hmm. the kind of assistant colonel to Matt Damon, kind of like the scrawny looking kid guy. He was, um, he, he played Green Goblin. I think that was him that played Green Goblin. Yeah, and Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> and then uh, he was in Chronicle. He's really good. He was awesome. Um, Casey Affleck was he great. He did a great job. because he, he, I was scared of him. Yeah, he, he, he played that so well, <laughs> yeah. of just being this psychotically mean type of person. He was like a... He, was, he reminded me of Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. Like, his job really? is to hunt down yeah. communists. <laughs> Uh, and then who else was, oh, fuck, freaking Alden Ehrenreich, the guy who played, uh, Han Solo in the movie Solo. He was the, the legal team for RDJ. He's like, wait, you're the one who's been behind this the whole time. That was him. Oh that's, my God. That's, that was That's him. Han Solo. He was awesome. He absolutely kicked ass. Yeah, he was Rami Malek kicked ass. Um, you've seen the Santa Claus movies, right? With Tim Allen, the Santa Claus, the Santa Claus two. I saw the first two. Uh, the, like the lead elf, the one with like the kind of, he had like dreadlocks. Uh, his name was Bernard, the elf. He was like the, the head honcho wow, you're, elf. You're freshen up on. Watch it every year, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he was like. They are good movies. Oppenheimer's like best friend, like the bigger, uh, like kind of Jewish American guy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's Bernard the elf from the Santa Claus. <laughs> Uh yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's like you're going to have to get the hot chocolate and you got to pre- give the toys on time on Christmas Eve. That's the scientist who helps Oppenheimer the whole time. Crazy. He Josh was- Hartnett was incredible. Yeah. Um Papa from Stranger Things was in it. Yep. Yep. Uh yeah, dude, so awesome. It was stacked. I really like Matt Damon. I think he was the one who I like I couldn't see through. I was like that's just Matt Damon with a mustache. I don't even know if he had a mustache, but <laughs> He did have a mustache. Yeah. yeah, no, he was very much Matt it's Damon. Just Matt Damon, but he was good. It works. Um, he played the role well of being kind of a, a boisterous, no straight, bullshit, straight yeah. to the point. Yeah. Uh, we got to get this going. Uh, like, yeah, no holds barred. Um, and I, I yeah. like the chemistry between the two, between him and Killian Murphy. They had good chemistry. Loved it. And that's also, that's like, they absolutely nailed that from the history books. Like, they were not eye to eye. They disagreed with each other all the time, but they had like the most respect for each other. 
like they were working on the same project. Yeah. He was there in Los Alamos most of the time. Oppenheimer was seeing like the project, but he was overseeing like the military aspect of it. And they just butted heads, but they were like, pe- like people, were, they were like their buddies. They just kind of hate each other, <laughs> but like they just that, get on each other's nerves. That was such, yeah, that was such a cool dynamic. Um, and then the, the, I, I think it was Russian. I think it was meant to be Russian. The one who really wanted to make the H bomb. Yeah. Um, it was Benny Safdie, who's a director and he's also, he was in like licorice pizza and he's like, he usually plays like a, something in his twenties kind of guy. And he's like, he's an American guy. He was just doing a thick Russian accent. He was wearing, I think a fat suit. Um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was a really, it was a really good, well-made movie. I'm going to see it again in IMAX, so I'll, I'll, we'll do a quick Comparison. little... Comparison. Uh, I'm curious about that. Yeah, next week we're going to be talking about the other half of Barbenheimer, which yep. is Barbie, but I'll do a quick, like, by the way, saw it in IMAX. It was just as good or wasn't quite as good or whatever. Um, what's up? Where do you rate this in your Nolan films? Ooh, I'd like rank it in the Nolan films. Still think, I kind of mentioned downstairs. Didn't hear you. The the Batman movies are like a little bit separate for me because that's mm-hmm. like that's when Nolan made the superhero films a couple times. He's also never made a sequel outside of those. He just makes like his own thing. It's a Nolan film. It's a Nolan yeah. film. Interstellar is his. Dunkirk is his. Tenet is his. Those are, I mean, he, they're his. He wrote and directed them, but they're like not his property. They're Batman films, stuff like it's almost like when. Um, trying to think of like an MCU director who did something similar, but like, Oh, that's a great director. I love their movies. Those are their movies, but this is their MCU movie kind of thing. Okay. Uh, or like a star Wars movie. Like I love JJ Abrams movies, but then JJ Abrams did star Wars. I don't really consider that JJ Abrams movie. If that makes sense, you know, you kind of know what I'm putting down. I don't agree, but I, I, I know what you're saying. They're like in a subcategory of Nolan. Obviously the dark Knight is your number one. In that subcategory. Well, there's nothing else. And then, I mean, yeah, there's the Dark Knight Rises and then there's Batman Begins. And I'll probably put them in that order. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins. Really? I think so. Dark Knight is a masterpiece. Uh, Outside of the Batman movies, I still think number one is Dunkirk for me. Number two is Oppenheimer. Okay. But I got to let it simmer, maybe. And then there's like, uh, what else is in there? The Prestige, Memento. I didn't love Insomnia. I didn't love Tenet. What else is in there? There's oh uh, oh Interstellar's oh, higher. Interstellar's above the Prestige. You want to know my? You want to know why I put Oppenheimer? Yeah. Ooh, am I gonna do it with your Batman style? <laughs> keeping it different. Give me give me a Batman style. I put Batman and Dunkirk guard neck and neck, but I have to. It's like one A one B. Okay, I would say. My favorite Nolan film is number one, Inception. Fuck, I forgot about that one. That's still my favorite <laughs> Nolan movie. Yeah, is Inception. Fuck. Um, I would go Inception. I would go Dark Knight Rises. Interesting. Above Dark Knight. Well, Dark Knight. Heath Ledger, man. That's he's in the Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises is Bane. Oh, it is. My bad. Uh, yep. Yeah. Dark Knight. Okay. <laughs> so it goes Inception, Dark Knight, Oppenheimer. Okay. For me. I respect that. I forgot about um, Inception. I, You know what, though? I do want to watch Interstellar again. 
Yeah. Because I saw it once. That's a rewatch movie. And I liked it. But a part of me was thinking, I'm I'm miss I'm not understanding enough of the concept of the movie. That's a Nolan movie, baby. Right. <laughs> I that mean, was me with Inception. That was me with Tenet. Inception I did get. Yeah. I did understand Inception. Um I did understand Inception the first time around. I didn't understand Tenet the first time around. Mm-hmm. I understood the storytelling aspect of it, mm-hmm. but the actual like entropic principles that they based it off of, I had to do research, obviously. Yeah. Afterwards, like, oh, what is the the third law of thermonuclear dynamics? Yeah. And how does that play into blah, blah, blah? Uh, then I understood it. Like, oh, it's a narrative inversion because of the fucking entropic inversion. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah. Now you get it. So because entropy is time. So that helped me get it. But Interstellar, actually, I never really went back to. And I think I want to. Yeah. Now that I've been now that I just saw Oppenheimer, it's but very I, good. I think Oppenheimer was just You know what Oppenheimer is? Mm. Oppenheimer is the best cheeseburger you've ever had. Whoa. Where for well for me, I know it's higher for you. For me, it's like, oh, it's just a cheeseburger, but then you have it and it's the best cheeseburger ever, and you go, "Holy shit." Sure, sure, sure. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. I didn't <laughs> expect that. It was just a cheeseburger, but holy shit. It's got like Fries with flaky salt after getting deep fried in duck fat, that kind oh, of hell shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, get yeah. the fucking, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you just start snapping. You're so excited for burgers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the feeling I have where it was just this surprise of, wow. I know I'm going to get a burger, but damn, this is a good burger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and I don't know if that was because it was a Nolan movie of just, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. The bar's high. Sure. I don't like the there's some Scorsese, Tarantino, uh, Nolan. Yeah, P- pretty big name. J.J. Abrams, pretty yeah. big names. If I'm gonna go see a movie in IMAX, I expect it to be a pretty damn good fucking movie. Yeah, like there's an expectation there just because of the name associated. Yeah, you know. So I have that, but I just don't know how good it's going to be. Um, and this one was just wow, holy fuck, this was great, and that's kind of what that was. Yeah. Um, so it's number three for me. What was what what would you consider like Inception meal wise? Inception meal wise? Yeah. Oh. I, by the way, I don't think we've gone five episodes without you making an analogy to food. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is like a nice steak. <laughs> and this one. What if I said that? D- dude. I've never said that. When's the last time I said that? It's somewhere. It's probably been more than five episodes. Okay, thank but you, you thank have you. made several analogies <laughs> to levels of dining, <laughs> to like, I think movies most of the time. Like. <laughs> We're at, hey, we, is your mouth water when we're you on brand? We're on brand, baby. Come on, we got a reputation for this episode. Yeah, for this podcast. Yeah. Uh, what, where, what is Inception food wise? Yeah, I got this steak, and the steak's gonna be like the Jay Gill's experience that we had. Okay, so it's like a steak. <laughs> so Oppenheimer was the best burger, cheeseburger, best cheeseburger, sure. And Inception is a very good steak. It's on another level. It is a fine dining, but experience. it's still beef. But it's still beef. Because <laughs> Christopher Nolan only works with beef. No. <laughs> um, now ask. Now ask me about number two. What was? What's the Dark Knight like as like a meal? The best sushi you've had. Su- I was thinking fish. Yes, I was like, this is gonna meal. be a fine salmon fillet. Yep. Is what yep. I was thinking. But it's you went something sushi. where you go. I I've had sushi before, and then you sit down, and they're fucking doing the patty cake shit with. The- <laughs> 
You know, I heard sushi art, sushi chefs have to go, they have to learn the patty cake method for seven years before they're allowed to work with fish. <laughs> this fucking thing. You know what I'm doing? Patty cake, patty cake. You know what I'm doing? It's like, it's like, making like, me a pan. It's like the meatball shit. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Just no rolling. It's just the, 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 the patten. Yeah. The patten and the slap. You're basically doing the sign language sign for sushi, by the way. Really? This is yeah, sushi? Yeah, you, you pat, you pat your two fingers into the cup of your hand, because that's what they do with the rice. They put it in their hand and they pat it down. Yeah, okay, so yeah, and then that's they put the fish. Oh, you sit down. Shit. <laughs> you sit down. You go. Oh, I've had sushi. I've had tuna sashimi. And then you see them fucking start doing that shit. <laughs> They're giving you one piece at a time. Yeah, you go. So that's, it's oh. it's at the right time in yep. the and gastro. You, do, you eat it with your hands, not with chopsticks. Yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah. And then you go. Oh fuck. And you have and you go. Oh, that's what that is. Because I went to that movie going. It's a Batman movie. And then it opened with that fucking bank robbery. And oh it was God. just, holy shit, what yeah. is this? And yeah, so that changed. That, changed that was the, the movie that sold me on IMAX. What? That was the movie that sold me on IMAX. You didn't trust IMAX I mean, before, before IMAX is, I, it came out in 2009. I was a junior in high school. So IMAX was when the school takes a field trip to watch a documentary about whales or the Grand Canyon. We would go to the IMAX, and that didn't blow your mind away. It was cool. It was big, but it was for whales. You and then like IMAX for movies back at home. Yeah, IMAX for movies like oh, it's big, it's giant, it's a gimmick. And then it was like you guys see Dark Knight in IMAX. It was filmed in IMAX. And then the bank robbery scene. I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I've come online <laughs> as a movie enjoyer. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. Literally, them like the zip lining across the city like that was the first shot that was like woof like like giant tall screen imax um yeah that was awesome anyway good movie do you want star rating or no on um, one out of ten well are we doing this for in just movie general or in nolan i rated it on my imdb which i do after i see a movie every time oh, and every once okay. in a while i'll go back through and edit and adjust um, but I, I do that with wine when I was eating in the food court before leaving the mall that I what saw a, the movie at. I what gave a, it a rating. What a, what a culinary experience on a scale of one to 10. <laughs> <laughs> I think I gave it a sushi out of 10. <laughs> I gave it a nine out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't think, I think I have the dark Knight as a 10, but I think I've done Kirk as a nine. Well, that's what I'm saying. You rating this in Nolan only terms, or is this like movie? No, my IMDb it? ratings. Chris okay. Robinson, that's my full name. Oh, uh, gives, yeah. Okay, there it is. There gives, it is. Gives this movie a nine out of ten. The scammers have on, begun typing. I mean, whatever. I'm uh, on on IMDb. Yes, I am the lead singer of the Black Crows. Yes. I didn't want to admit that. Until nine now. nine out of ten. Okay. Yeah. What about you? I think I can agree. Nine. I think it's a nine. Out yeah, of 10. I think it's a solid nine. I'm excited to see it again. See where maybe it settles. Maybe it goes down a little, up a little. When's the last time you and I had a ten out of ten? Ten out. I mean, I don't think we have. I I firmly give Top Gun Maverick a ten out of ten. Did we give it a ten out of ten? I do, because I'm like a I'm like a movie movie guy. Like my tens are like a couple of the Star Warses, um, Jurassic Park. Always comes up when I think of tens and glorious bastards, um, Jaws. Like those are my tens. Okay. Oh, like I like okay. the movie movies. You know, 
Like, I'm not going to go see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and be like, that was a 10. That was people talking in a room for two hours. It was fine. It was a good movie. It was a, good, it was a great movie. Solid eight. <laughs> Solid eight. <laughs> you need explosions. I gotcha. I, you know, like Dark Knight, 10 out of 10. That's a movie movie. That is a thriller. It's an action ride. It's a thrill ride. It's fun. It's scary. It's funny. It's. I'm remembering the feelings of seeing it for the first time and it was just genuine terror and from the, the music choker. the 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 strings i think the strings when he's punching him when yeah. uh he's interrogating me he goes to bring the chair yeah. and he locks the door you have nothing, nothing. yeah nothing they, to do with all of your strength yeah oh my god and you realize like he he can't beat this guy <laughs> he's, Where he's... Is he? <laughs> <laughs> I love doing the, <laughs> the Christian Bale Batman voice. <laughs> Where were the other drugs going? <laughs> well, what is what is uh, what does he say? He says something along the lines of, "But when I saw you look at her, what did he say? The way you threw yourself yeah, after yeah, her." Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I know that movie by heart. <laughs> oh man, oh, it's such a good performance. Let's wrap this shit up and go and, see Barbie right now. An Oppenheimer-sized episode for an Oppenheimer spoiler cast. I think it's fitting that we went long. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are definitely talking about Barbie next week. I'll do a little Oppenheimer update on my IMAX yes. experience versus yes. the 70 mil experience. Yes. We might talk about Secret Invasion briefly because I don't think it's worth much of a podcast oh, episode spoilers. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, and yeah, so if you uh, if you enjoyed this episode talking about Oppenheimer, um, feel free to give us a, a rating on iTunes or your podcast service of choice. We would really appreciate it. And uh, if you know a friend who just loves hearing dudes talk about Oppenheimer, <laughs> send it to them. Trying to grow the brand a little bit. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Ta-da! We did a bad thing. I'm I'm coming off as a serial killer right now. I know it. This dude's like, oh my god, this guy's a fucking wacko, and I totally understand that. Say something. I'm giving up on you. What you wanna say? Say. Let the world fall out. What you wanna (laughs) say? I wanna see you be free. I don't know. That's a song. I think. Is it? Say what you wanna say. I wanna say it's pink and fun.